0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 28th of May 2017, entitled, We Have This Treasure, Part 1, and the Bible reading is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 to 18. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. We'd like to be turning in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll stand to honor the reading of God's holy word this morning. The text for our verse today is found in verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. But to get the context of that, I want us to begin in verse 1, therefore seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto the death of the death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh in us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not the things which are not seen are eternal. Father, we thank you again. We ask, Lord, that in these next moments, help us, Lord. We know that there's such a vast amount here, Lord, in your word that, Lord, could change lives here today. But we pray, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to focus on that which you would have for us in the time that we have. Speak to hearts, and we give you all the praise for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, if you, as you have heard for Some weeks now, the focus, the theme for our missions conference beginning on Wednesday is the treasures of mission. The theme verse is that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is none else. Folks, there's a lot of things that get accomplished through mission work. A lot of Needs get met. Some people that have earthly needs and physical needs are met by God's people in many different ways a lot of times, and churches are built and established around the world and all of these things, but may I say, underlying all of it, the theme, the basis of all of it, is that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is none else, that they may know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Brother Hastings is going to be preaching to us and focusing in upon this theme. And as has been our custom for those of you that are here, I never get tired of God's Word, and I hope you don't. You may think that you know everything there is about missions and about giving to missions, but I'm still learning. But the more I learn, the more exciting that it gets. I want to begin because even though there is undoubtedly, there are three main points that I want to leave you with today. And I don't have time to do an entire missions conference, an entire stewardship conference, and all these things to even begin to grasp and touch on all that God's Word tells us about giving. But I want to throw some things out there today that I hope will excite you and that by the end of this service you'll know without a shadow of a doubt that God has given you the greatest gift of all. And that gift that He's given you is a gift that He's given us responsibility to give to others. And I want you to have just an inkling of just how big and grand that your God is, and that nothing that we are doing is to make life harder or worse for you, but it's to make it better. Here in this passage, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul said, We have this ministry. As we have received mercy, we faint not. I want you to grasp and understand as we go through this week, we do have this ministry. Missions is not an option. Getting the gospel to the lost of this world is not an option. It is a ministry that's been given to each and every one of us. And we live in a day when I say to you this morning, I'm not going to get up here trying to get you in some sneaky way or some crafty way to, to somehow put more money into the offering bags of this church. I want to simply get you to look to your God and realize what God wants of you. You see, he goes on here, we've been given this ministry, he said, but we've renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, committing ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. I just want to give you some things from God's word. I'm not going to try to coerce you or talk you into anything or play on your physical emotions or whatnot. I'm not up here to play games to try to get more money out of you. I want to give you the Word of God by the power of God that God may speak to your heart and God may show you that giving will never really cost you giving, giving. You know, the real real thing about giving is we look at all these things in the Bible and we know that We give and God gives back and we give and God gives back except He's always giving back more and we give and God. But the problem is when we in our flesh get focused on what we're getting, you know, the only thing that our focus should be on the only reason we want to get more is so that we can give more. We find that so many times we do and it's a natural thing for us to get focused upon our needs. And, you know, we're just we're just wanting to to live a normal life and have the things that uh, that we need to have and whatnot. I made a I made a note here. I think two names that you will recognize. One of them is John Wesley. John Wesley was undoubtedly one of the great evangelists of the 18th century. Born in 1703, in 1731 he began to limit his expenses so that he would simply have more money to give to the poor. In other words, he had a desire to, to make sure that he didn't spend any more than he had to so that he would have more to give. Now, in the first year, his income was 30 pounds. That's what he made for the entire year. Now, I know that was a lot more money in than, than, than it is now. But his income for the year was 30 pounds. Well, he found out that he could actually live on 28, so he gave that other two pounds away. In the second year, his income doubled. But he held his expenses so that he, in fact, he'd had 30. He lived off of 28. He gave two. The next year, he had 30. It doubled. He had 60. He actually kept his income the same, and he gave 32 away. God doubled his income. But he continued living off of the same thing. In the third year, it jumped to 90 pounds. And he gave 62 pounds. Now I'm reading, I wasn't there. I know I look old, but I wasn't there. But in his long life, his income advanced to as high as 1,400 pounds a year. But rarely in his lifetime did his expenses ever go above 30 pounds that he lived off of. He said that he seldom had more than 100 pounds in his possession at any one time. As a matter of fact, the English tax commissioners were so baffled that apparently in 1776 they ran an investigation on him insisting that he had to have a lot of silver dishes or something hid somewhere because of all this money that he was making. He wrote them back, and I quote, he says, I have two silver spoons at London and two at Bristol. This is all the plate I have at present, and I shall not buy any more while so many around me want bread. When he died in 1791 at the age of 87, the only money mentioned in his will was the coins to be found in his pocket and on his dresser. Most of the 30,000 pounds that he had earned in his lifetime, he had given away himself while he was still living. He wrote, He said, I cannot help leaving my books behind me whenever God calls me home, but in every other respect, my own hands will be my executors. In other words, I'll put a control on my spending myself, and I'll go beyond the tithe for the sake of Christ and His kingdom. You see, how many of us, if we gave and God blessed us, how many of us would even think about living off the same thing so that we would have more to give? In October 1795, William Carey received a packet of letters in India In one of those letters, he was being criticized because of engaging in the affairs of trade. You see, when William Carey got to India, he didn't have enough support to live off of. So William Carey began working with his own hands in order to make a living, in order to be able to carry on the ministry. But the thing is, as they accused him of this, and he wrote back and he explained to them, William Carey wasn't just working, William Carey. He used the money he needed to live off all the rest that he was earning with his own hands, was going to help support the other missionaries that were coming in that didn't have anything to live. He was working not only to support himself, but to support other workers so that he could carry on the work that God had given him to do. How many times do we think like that? I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm just saying, folks, I'm not here today to do anything except to give you the Word of God. But just as Paul said here, he wasn't here to pull any tricks, to play deceitful things, to play games. He said, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. I'm going to be focusing more upon that this evening, but do we really care? Do you care that your family, that your neighbor, that the person down the street from you, that the person that you pass on the street, do you really care? That they don't have Jesus Christ. Therefore that they have no hope. They have absolutely no hope. Do you really care that they'll spend an eternity in hell? Well I'm going to challenge you with that in just a moment from another passage. But what I want to remind you right now is this passage says here if our gospel is hid it's hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine into them. I can promise you there is a force out there that does not want them to hear the gospel. Nobody that's lost. He wants them to be blinded to it. Paul says, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. That's the text we've got up on our, on our uh, sign out front. That's a text that goes on all of our station. We don't preach ourselves here. We preach Jesus Christ. We're just servants of Him. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. You see the first thing i want you to notice this morning is the possession of this treasure the possession of this treasure we have we possess right now when i when i did this and i did the little uh, uh, the little chest on there with the with I, I purposely found one with the with just a bright light shining out of it not all the coins that overflow in in uh, in some of them and what not you know did you ever follow a treasure map when you were a kid? I used to love it. <laughs> you know, sometimes we'd even play it ourselves. You know, one would go off and, and he'd be the pirate and he'd hide his treasure and he'd draw this map and he'd put that X on there and he'd be off down in the woods somewhere. It was safe to go away from home in those days, by the way, and play down in the woods. We'd go out there with that, with that map, trying to follow that map to, to get to the treasure at the end of it. And, of course, sometimes it was make-believe. I want you to grasp and understand this week, as Brother Hastings is focusing upon the treasures of mission. Missions. They're not a hindrance. They're not a hardship. I want you to grasp the treasures that are there. But I want you to understand right here, as we begin to focus our attention in that direction, we have this treasure. We have this treasure right now in earthen vessels. You possess it now. The treasure is there. It's not something that you have to go somewhere else to get. We know the location. The X is on there and it is accurate because God put it there. This is where the treasure lies. This is a treasure that's present in you, in your life. We have this treasure right now in this earthen vessel. You have that treasure for a specific purpose though. You see, what is the purpose of that treasure? The possession of the treasure, we possess it within us. The purpose that we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. You see, he just told us the verse before, and I'm going to tell you, and you're going to get, well, I hope you don't get sick of hearing it. (laughs) It always, 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 you see, if you have a problem If you have a problem with giving to God, if you have a problem with giving to missions, if you have a problem even giving to someone else that you see that has a need, if you have a problem with giving at all, the problem is not how much that you've got in your wallet, how much that you've got in the bank. The problem is a heart problem. It's always a heart problem. If you're here without Jesus Christ today, it's a heart problem. And if you have a problem with this in your life, if you ruffle if it makes you feel uncomfortable, may I say, look, it's one thing to have a heart problem. But if you've got a heart problem, you need to get it fixed. In this life, you might have a physical heart problem, and it may be something that's kind of, kind of scary, and it may be very painful sometimes. I remember a few years back when I, when I had that severe angina attack, and I thought my chest was going to literally explode. Folks, I'm ready to go home. I wasn't afraid of what was in the hereafter, but I wasn't anxious to leave my family behind. I wasn't anxious. I was a bit fearful, even though at the same time I wasn't afraid of death. What I'm saying is, if you've got a heart problem, recognize it. You see, you have this treasure in you. He says, for God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in darkness. Our hearts. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Do you realize the greatest treasure that you can ever have in all of this world? There is nothing of greater value than when God shines that light in your heart that you can see the face of Jesus, that you can see who He is, that you can know who He is. We have that treasure within us. We have the knowledge. If the gospel is hid, it's hid to them that are lost. We have this light that God has shined in our hearts. We have this treasure that we possess within us. But that treasure, the possession of it is for the purpose that the excellence if the power may be of God and not of us. That God can do this work through you. We want to look at that. I wish I had time to say, he, you know, he goes through them. We're troubled on every side, not distressed. Life can be tough sometimes. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our bodies. Folks, this life can get tough sometimes, and sometimes you don't understand, and sometimes you you can't figure it out. Well, preacher, that all sounds good, but how can I possibly give anything more? I can hardly stretch the ends together now. Some weeks I don't. How can I possibly? You're trying to, you're trying to talk me into to doing something that's, that's either going to be impossible or is going to make my life miserable. No, nope, you'll understand. <laughs> you can't give to God uh, with a miserable face <laughs> and it truly really be giving anyway. Today, we need to grasp and understand life is tough, life is hard, For we which live are always delivered unto death of Jesus' sight, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you, we having the same spirit of faith, According as it is written, I believed and therefore I have spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. I can say a lot of things there, but I want to just remind you once again, folks, salvation totally, completely, 100%, totally by God's grace. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can stop doing. It can't be accomplished by you. It's been done by Jesus Christ. It was done by Him by faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's there. It's done. It's completed. But the only way to get there is by faith. I believed. You believed if you're a child of God today. Thank God. That's how we got there. And nobody can snatch us away. Nobody can take us away. It's a work of God. And therefore, God's the only one. God's the only one. And he tells us he sealed us until the day of redemption. Praise God. Listen. Listen. You've got this wonderful treasure within you. And this treasure is something that, yes, even when life is tough and it's hard and it's all going around, we're going to come back to this matter of faith. He says, knowing, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up also by Jesus Christ and shall present us with you for all things are for your sakes. I'm not... I'm not giving you anything today except some passages, and I wish I could give you a whole lot more of them than I've got time to give you. But may I say, everything, all things, for your sake, everything God said, if God gives you the truth out of here, it's never going to be for your harm. It's never going to hurt you if you'll just believe it and practice it. For all things are for your sakes, what? That the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. We're going to look at that again in a minute too. But I want you to understand, he says, for which cause we faint not. Might be rough, might be tough, might be going through all kinds of things. We faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? The world can't get to anything except the external. They can't get to the internal. They can't get to it. For our light affliction, which is, but for a moment, Now, for some of us, we're farther into that moment than than, than some of you are, but we don't know, but it's short, believe me. This life is short, folks. This life is short. You can build up your treasures down here if you want to, but I want you to build up treasures in heaven (laughs) where no thief can get to it, (laughs) where you don't have to worry about it corrupting, where you don't have to worry about the, the moss getting to it or anything. He says, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Oh, praise God. Praise God. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Do you realize everything that you have physically laid eyes on in your life, everything that you see right now, everything that you will ever see, it's all temporal. It's all temporary. It's all going to be gone one day. It's only the unseen that's going to last, praise God. We get a glimpse of that spiritually inside, but we've not seen it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. (laughs) The only way you're going to ever see the unseen is through faith, praise God. That's what's going to get you to where you can see it. I want you to hold on to that, all of these thoughts here. Because you see, as we begin to think about this, we see you possess this treasure within you if you're a child of God today. You possess it, but God's given it to you for a purpose. That's that the gospel not be hid to them that are lost, but that that glorious light of the Lord Jesus Christ might shine through you unto them that others can come to possess that great treasure that we have in Him. You have it right now if you're a child of God. Is God's purpose being fulfilled for it? Did you even know that it was there? I've told you about the possession and the purpose. There is a pathway to get to it. you know on our on our little maps, we used to put the X and then we would draw the uh, the little dotted lines usually to get you to the to the place where the treasure was. Well, it's within you. you do possess it, and God's given it to you for a purpose. But have you opened the chest, have you actually physically seen it? Because you see, there is a specific pathway to get to it. And I want you to get to this treasure that is unseen in your giving permissions. Now, I'm going to have to skip a whole lot of stuff here, but I want to tell you first of all, and those of you that have been here, you know it, but man, oh man, it's sure hard for it to get into practice sometimes in our lives. You see, God has these principles. He has these principles of giving. And the only way that you're going to get to that which is unseen, which you don't see. Preacher, I ain't got anything to give. I can't do anything more. Well, I want to I take you to a place that's in the unseen. You can't see it right now. If you can count it in your, in your checking account, if you've got it somewhere hidden under a mattress, if you've got it wherever, even if it's in your imagination, you can still count it. I want you to get to a treasure that you can get to by faith. It's the unseen that you don't know about, but it's there. And it's bigger than anything you can see. It's bigger than anything that you know that you've got. But you see, God's first principle of giving the first fruits. Tithe is almost a curse word amongst a lot of believers today. The first fruits. Now, I don't have time to dwell here if I'm going to get to the unseen stuff, but this is where it has to begin. Either God is first in your life. Or he's nothing. We say that He's first, but I can take you all kind of passages all through the Bible. There is no way that God can have any place in your life if it's not first place. Don't deceive yourself. Don't kid yourself. Those of you that have been here, when we went through the Genesis account in our series on the fundamentals, we looked at all these things that had their foundation in that book of beginnings, and one of them was giving The first gift was given by God Himself right there in the garden. He gave the gift. He covered them from their own uh, sin when they caused it there. He gave the promise of the greatest gift at all right there in the garden when He was going to send His Son to pay for your sins. The first act of worship that we see when they go out of the garden was Cain and Abel bringing their offerings to God. Remember, God either accepted them or didn't accept them. Offerings, some, some offerings are acceptable and some are unacceptable. Now their own pride, one ended up killing, mur- murdering the other one because his gift was accepted and the other one wasn't. But giving didn't begin with the law. See, some people think the tithe is relegated to the Old Testament law. Giving beginning from, began from the beginning, the very beginning. And I got news for you. The first tithe that's mentioned in the Bible was 400 years before the law came into existence because we know that Abraham gave tithes of all that he possessed to Melchizedek, which is symbolic of our Lord. <laughs> that was 400 years before the law was given. So it wasn't an Old Testament law thing. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. <laughs> we find two generations down, 150 years later, Jacob was still giving tithe. What's what's really neat, too, is when you read about Abraham giving him, it's not like this was suddenly something that God came down and said, now you start doing this. It was as if it was just natural to him when he gave it. Jacob did it. Now, it was required under the law, okay? And thank God you're not living under the law. But if you want to go back and do it under the law, then you're going to have to do it different anyway. A tithe simply means 10%. You see, this is a pattern God gave us right from there. God gave us from the moment Abraham... Father Abraham, that's where it began. That's when God first called a people out of this world to be his people that he's going to do a work through. From that moment, we know that they were giving him the first fruits, not the leftovers, not the when they can, the first fruits. Now, tax man will come knocking on your door. If he don't get his first fruits, he thinks he's supposed to get his part before, and he does. He'll get his part one way or the other. God don't come knocking on your door. God doesn't come telling you, you know that you don't do this. I'm going to throw you in jail. I'll show you some things God does. With it, but what I want you to grasp and realize: the first step, if you're not giving God the first fruits, you can't even get on the path to where I want to take you to. You can't get there. That's where the path begins. And yes, it wasn't at all. But they brought one tithe. They brought one tithe that was there just for the priest, the keeping up of those that ministered to. They brought another tithe that was there for the fellowship of the people, for the things that they did together. And every third year they brought another tithe, which was just for the poor. So if you calculate it, that was like 23 and a third. They were given a quarter of everything they made as their first fruits. That's just what they brought to God under the law. And yes, it was required living under the law to do that, to bring all three of those tithes uh, into the storehouse. Matter of fact, you say, well, you know, preacher, is ties really necessary? Well, let me tell you something. Ties aren't necessary for your salvation. You can't buy your way into heaven. <laughs> Matter of fact, you, you can give him nine and you can just keep ten for yourself, and you'll still split hell wide open one day if you don't have Jesus Christ in your life and your heart. It's not binding because of that. You see, I believe that this first way of giving, this first step, the step of first fruits of tithing, I believe that it's binding upon us for another reason, and that's because it proves that we trust Him. The last book of the Old Testament in Malachi. Listen to the context of this, and I got I gotta move real fast. Behold, I send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom ye seek. "...till suddenly come to the temple even the messenger of the covenant, whom you uh, delight in. Behold, he shall come with the Lord of hosts. But who may be able the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver. And they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness." I want you to realize, first of all, the context, folks. He's looking way, way down the road to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, okay? He's he's looking here specifically of Jesus Christ's first coming, when John the Baptist was a messenger that was going to be preparing the way for him to come. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of old, as in the former years. And I will come near to you to judgment, and I will be a a swift witness against the sorcerers, and against the adulterers, and against false swearers, and against those that oppress the hireling in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, and that turn aside the stranger from his right. And fear not me, saith the Lord of hosts, for I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Number one, you better realize you want the Lord on your side. He's the one that's keeping all these things at bay from your life. Some of them you can see. Some of them you can't see. He said, even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you said, wherein shall we return? You've gone away from me. You're not trusting me anymore. You know that I'll do these things for you. But you've gone away. You've quit trusting me. Matter of fact... You ask me where? Well, wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee, Lord? Where have I robbed you? What does he say? In tithes and offerings. God says, you've gone away from me. You see, if you don't pay your tithes, it's just showing where you are. (laughs) You're away from God. He's not got first place in your life. Don't kid yourself. If you're trying to make yourself believe that, then you're trying to be smarter than God is. They had gone away from the Lord. And he said, you need to return to me. You need me in your life. You need me to keep these things at bay in your life. But yet you've robbed me. You've robbed me in your tithes and your offerings. You're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me even this whole nation. There's a lot of things there. The thing is, I don't believe God curses you today because you don't pay Him. There were, under the Old Testament, they were required by law to do those things. But what I'm saying to you is that these other things, God's still the same. He said right there that, you know, I am the Lord, I change not. When I'm near you, these are the things that I will keep at bay. What does he say? Bring all the tithes, plural. It wasn't just a single 10%. (laughs) They had at least three tithes while they were still under the law. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. I have a lot of people say, well, I give to this charity and I give to this charity and I give to this cause and I give to this cause. And that is great. But that's not your first fruits. That's not where your tithe goes. Bring it into the storehouse. What does he go on to say? Bring it into this. That there may be meat in mine house and prove me. Prove me herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Prove me. Do you trust me? Look, you've gone away from me. You need me in your life. You need me there. Prove me. Trust me. Bring your tithes into the storehouse that there might be meat in mine house. i got news for you, folks. These lights don't pay for themselves. This building doesn't keep itself up. It costs money to be here. Now, I know God has always met our needs, but God's teaching you a practical lesson. This building right here that we call our local meeting place for this local church, it ought not to have to be supported because we have to set up a, a flea market or a bake sale or something out front in order to go into business, in order to pay for the things to keep up God's house. God's house has always been kept up by God's people, and that's the testimony the world should see out there. Find it. He says that there might be meat in my house. Prove me. See, if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. It comes down. You see, first of all, it's a heart matter. It's a heart matter. Is God really first in your life? And it's a trust matter, which really comes back to the heart anyway. Do you believe him? Do you trust him? Do you really believe that if you give God the first fruit, if you put him first, that he'll be there? Notice what he goes on to promise. He says in verse 11, And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field. There's a lot of things that God keeps out of your path that you never see, never know of, because God was there first. It's not always because he's going to suddenly just drop down a sack of silver coins into your lap. God's going to take care of you. He's going to keep things out of your life that would cause you problems, that would give you struggles. And all the nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delight, a delightsome land saith. It's going to be a witness and a testimony. There's a lot more there, folks. There's so much. But I've got you in order in order to get to the unseen treasure, it begins, your very first step, is with the first fruits, the ties, a giving that is binding. If you love God, not because you've got to do it to be saved, not because you're still living under the law, praise God, but because He's first in your life and because you trust Him totally, implicitly, you believe what He's going to say to you. The second step, boy, I'm having to skip a bunch of stuff here. <clears throat> Unless y'all want to just stay till this evening and not worry about going home. You see, there's a second step. Not only are there the first fruits, but the second one is the free will offerings. The free will offerings. You see, the first fruits, the ties, those are binding. The free will offerings, these are what we sometimes call love offerings. These are given. This is not binding. This is benevolent. This is given because you see a need and you want to help. And one of the greatest, greatest illustrations at all is in Exodus chapter 35. From Exodus chapter 35 to Exodus chapter 40. Exodus chapter 35 to Exodus chapter 40. Okay? I don't have uh, have time to read all these, so you're going to have to read it for yourself. But I want you just to notice what's taking place here. You see, God has given Moses a specific job to do. And what he's given him a job to do is to build the tabernacle, to build a place of worship for God. Now, this, this was not being done out of their tithes. Their tithes was there being used for the day-to-day upkeep This was something, this was because God had a special work that needed to be done, and he sent Moses to appeal to his people. Now notice in Exodus chapter 35, we're going to have to skip a lot of verses, but notice what he says in verse 4 and 5. And Moses spake unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord, whosoever is of a... What's the next word in your Bible? Willing. Whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it, an offering of the Lord, and then, boy, you can just read on down, gold and silver and brass and blue and purple, and it goes through the list. In other words, anything and everything, whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it to God that God's work can be accomplished. Look down in verse 20. He says in verse 20, And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses, and they came, every one whose heart stirred him up. Whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whom his spirit made willing. It was a heart thing that made him willing, and they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation, and for all his service, and for all the holy garments. Their heart, right with God, made them willing to want to do this for God. Verse 29 The children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord. Every man and woman, every man and woman, not young, not old, every man and woman, whose heart made them willing to bring for all manner of work which the Lord had commanded to be made by the hand of Moses. Wow. Those, when their heart got right, (laughs) their willingness, they were doing this because they wanted so very much, they wanted to be able to do this with God's work. Notice in the next chapter, chapter 36, notice what it says in verse 5. And they spake unto Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded to make. And Moses gave commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So The people were restrained from bringing, for well, the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make it, and too much. <laughs> Talk about giving a preacher a heart attack! <laughs> Man, God commanded Moses, "Give this need to the people. I need a tabernacle bill. Tell them those that have a willing heart." Now you see the free will offering. It's not. It is benevolent. It's because you have a heart for something and you see it and you want to give to it. It's what you have, though. You can look and say, wow, I really like that need. i got 10000 in the bank. I'm going to give 9000 to that need. It's what you have. They brought of the possessions that they had. They gave willingly from their heart until they got to the point that uh, Moses had to say, please, please, would you not give anything else in the offering today? We've just got too much. They had to be restrained from giving because they were so willing, because their hearts were made willing. They just wanted to be involved in God's work. They were excited to be giving. It wasn't something that they were reluctantly doing. They finally, finally, the preacher had to plead with them. Look, we've got more than we need, please. Because this was not their first fruits. This was not that which was binding upon them. This was their free will offerings, their love offerings, that which they were giving for a specific need, and we find that that's exactly what they did. Now, <laughs> I want to move on because let me remind you of another passage that speaks of our treasure. Matthew six twenty one says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is a heart problem, folks. It's a heart problem. We need to recognize it, and we need to get help for it if we're not there. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where is your treasure today? What's important to you today? Is it getting a, a new car when your old one's running just fine? Is it getting a bigger house just because that, uh, you'd like to have room for more toys? <laughs> Man-made toys. Big boys' toys, not just little kids' toys. <laughs> the list could go on and on. I'm just saying, where, where is your heart? You see, the treasure is that which is valuable to you. You know, what's valuable to you? your heart where your treasure is there will your heart be also what's valuable to you that's where your heart's going to be is the lord first in your life is his work have the place that it ought to have luke 6:38 just a few verses later says given it shall be given unto you good measure pressed down shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom for with the same measure that you meet with all it shall be measured to you again again man that's a whole sermon in itself but praise god do you ever you ever buy these things from the grocery store and you buy a, a box of cereal and you get it home open, it's about maybe three-fourths full. Why did they give me that big box and that little bit of cereal in there? You ever tried to, tried to make room for something? It's like I was, I was pickling some eggs at home yesterday or the day before or something. Else. And, man, I wanted to get as many in that, in, that, in that big jar that I could get in there. Man, I was pushing them in there, and then I'd shake that thing around a bit to get them done in there so I could get some more in there. It's, this is what God's saying to us. Give. And it's going to be given to you from God. You give, and God's going to give back to you. Man, he's going to press it down. He's going to get it all in there. He's going to shake it to make sure there's no waste money. Press down, shaken together, and bless God, it's still running over. You can't get it all in there. That's what God's going to give back to you. Press down, shaken together, running over. Oh. But with the same measure that you give, that's the same measure that it's going to be given back. You see, bottom line, and there's other places where you know we get specific things like four times. A bottom line, man, you you give with a teaspoon, man, that's good. When you're giving from your heart, you're giving with a teaspoon, that's good. And I don't care how many teaspoons you give, God's going to give back a whole lot more teaspoons. Maybe you need to start giving with a shovel. <laughs> yeah, give shovelfuls. God's still going to give back to you. Pressed down, shaking together, running over, but with the same measure. He's going to give you back a bunch more shovelfuls. you you want to really get out there, man, go get you a dump truck. <laughs> you can fill a lot in one of those dump trucks. Give with a dump truck full. And God's just going to dump them dump trucks back on you, the same measure. He's going to bless you so much. You've got to grasp. You either believe it or you don't believe it. But God says if you give, it's going to be given unto you, and God's going to press it down, shake it together. It's going to be running over. Do you believe it? Or do you think you have to worry about figuring out all the needs yourself? Turn with me. How in the world are we going to do this? You see, now I'm getting to the unseen part. I want you to grasp and understand. But I don't think there is absolutely no way that I'm going to be able to get through this. But I'm going to give you a taste and we're going to come back later. And if you got any taste, if you look, I don't want you to come back this evening. Because you think I preach so good. Or because I dress so nice. Because I'm so sweet and friendly. I want you to come back tonight because because God's got something for you. I want you to see how you can get to the unseen. You see, you're going to have to start here this morning. You're going to have to start with the first step. The first fruits. The tithe is a principle that God gave us. Yes, it was in use under the law. Three times under the law, we know, specifically. But it was there before the law. It was commended by Jesus in the New Testament. People were commended because they were doing it, even though they were leaving other things undone. It's a first step. It's the first fruit. It's putting God first in His life. How can we even question? How can we question? If if we're so blessed under grace, how can we regret giving to God what was given to Him under the first... let me encourage you, folks. I, I had to learn to, you know, I, I got some of those paychecks. I still get some of those paychecks. <laughs> I got those checks when they come in. <laughs> you think, oh, dear Lord, <laughs> how are we going to get all the way through the month with this? How are we, we going to get all these ends to meet with, with, with what we got here? And, you know, I did. I'm not quite, I did love God. I really did. And I was as saved as I've ever been. But I'm saying I didn't trust enough. And sometimes sometimes I'd take and use that money that should have been God's first and use it for me for something else. You see, you can do that. The tax man won't let you get away with it. God will. Now God tells you, you know, if you want to come back and make up for that, you can come back and pay four times as much, pay the usury tax on it and, and put it back in. That's what they had to do under the law. We're not there. What same creature? I had to come to a point, and I believe this with all my heart, and I don't say this to brag. I'm saying because I'll guarantee you if there's breath in my body, for well, many, 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 many years, God gets before even the tax man gets out of my, my money. God is first. Now, he tells me, and we looked at these passages, one of them I didn't get to there, to render under Caesar what is Caesar's and under God what is God's. I don't like it when I said it before pay your taxes and pay your tithes. <laughs> pay your ta- and, it, and it is in context there. They were talking specifically about paying their taxes, but trust God. You see, I simply I couldn't dream, I couldn't imagine getting my money and taking what is God. I, he gets the first fruit. It's, it's not be- that doesn't make me a more spiritual Christian. That doesn't make me a better Christian. You are a Christian or you're not a Christian. We're all unworthy beings. But I'm saying I don't for a moment believe that I would have God's blessings upon my life. God promised me if I put Him first, if I put His work first, that He will meet my needs, every need, not according to my riches down here, but according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Do we believe Him or not? I'm challenging you today, Christian not hurt you, I'm not trying to trick you, I'm showing you in God's Word, you want God's blessings, you want Him to keep some of those expenses back, you want God to, I'll tell you what, I'd whole lot rather try to make it tight or not tight with the 90% with God's blessing on it, than 100% without it. I might be just as much of a Christian. He said, prove me. Prove me. Bring your tithes into the storehouse, your tithes and your offering into the storehouse, and... If I won't just pull you out blessings that you won't be able to withstand. <laughs> prove him. That's your first step. Your second step is the free will offerings, that which is given for benevolence. That which is given as a love offering, with a willing heart. with a willing heart, the willingness comes from the heart being right. You see, that's something that each and every one of you can choose. I made this statement as I was preaching a missions conference last Sunday in another church that, you know, you ever stop? This this is the stuff you can figure out yourself. You see, this is where you sit down because you really care. It might be special needs in your church. It might be special needs in missions. But you sit down and you say, well, you know, I had, you know, X amount of money, you know, come in this month, and I've got these bills that I've got to pay. now. God's already got his first fruits. i got all this stuff that I've got to pay, but, I've got this much here that I can do something with. Now, I can, I can go out and have a good time. I can maybe buy me a new toy. I can do this. I can do that. But it's in your heart when you say, I want to give some of this to God's work. You see, I hope God gets you so stirred up for missions that with a willing heart. I don't want you. I'm, understand, I'm not trying to get you to do anything unwilling, and I can't make you willing. I want you to see. To get there, though, you've got to go, you've got to go there. You've got to give the first fruits. And then you can't get to this third one until you've done the free will offerings, that which you can do out of what you have. But then the third one, which I want to come back to tonight, I'm going to give you this passage, but I don't have time to tell you hardly anything about it. But I hope that you can understand, I'm not playing with you. I'm promising you straight from God's Word in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, man that means I'm not going to get that other message preached tonight that I wanted to preach to you about the increase of the widows oil praise God (laughs) okay I want you y'all believe this I'm not preaching to you to try to get you to put more money in there so the church can give me a raise (laughs) I'm not trying to get you to do it even so that we can fix some of the repairs on our building that that are really needed this week is about what we can do to help get the gospel to somebody else that doesn't have it, Okay, and I don't apologize for that. And I'm not trying to get you to do that through anything that you're resentful about that you don't think that you can do. I want you to take the first step. I hope you can be challenged to do that if you're not already. To take that first, step to prove God. To give him that which is the very first for his work because because that matters that much to you. And then I hope that he'll work on your heart to where you'll want to give willingly to, to some of these things. But may I say, if every one of you, you leave here today and you say, wow, God, you showed me, I'll never, ever, ever, ever miss putting my tithe in there again. And God, I'm going to give everything. I, I started to say, and I got sidetracked, didn't I? You know, just a sacrifice. You know, if you gave up one Coke a day, and I'm just saying Coke, one drink. <laughs> one of those things, you go out and spend your money, I'm going to cause you thirsty, you know, Water's free, by the way. You go out and spend one Coke a day. That's about 400 pounds a year that you could give for the cause of missions. That's over a pound a day now to buy a drink. You can get them on sale somewhere. So let's say you really got lucky and you found some of those pound bottles. That's still 365 pounds, and you're not going to get many of those pound bottles around anymore. A year for the cause of missions for that huge, huge sacrifice. I'm not buying that. I'm saying... You could sit down and figure out things that you're willing to do because it matters that much to you because you really want people to be saved that much. And you can figure that out if you want to. But then here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul writing to the church at Corinth, he says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Church at Corinth, I want you to see what God has done in this church over here in Macedonia. In other words... This is not a fantasy. It's not a made up story. This is real. This is God's Word being sent to one church, getting them to look at what God's done in another church. How that in a great trial of affliction, a great trial of affliction, they weren't on a honeymoon. These people were on bad times. Great trial of, affl- of affliction. The abundance of their joy. They were in a great trial of affliction. Man, they were happy in the Lord. And their deep poverty. How many of you are in deep poverty? Most of us don't understand. We might wish we had a little more money. Most of us don't really grasp deep poverty. But I'm saying these people, they were in great afflictions. They were joyful people. They were in deep Poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. <laughs> they were a generous people. He said, "Listen, for to their power, to their power, what they could do, their first fruits, their free will offerings, anything you want to name it and label it, everything that they could do, for to their power, I bear record. Yay! They did everything that they could. But listen, and beyond their power." They were willing of themselves. these people in deep affliction, happy people for the Lord. They were in deep poverty, but they were liberal people. and I want to tell you, they did everything that they could do, but <laughs> Man, they did that which was impossible. They did that which was beyond them. They were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministry. Does this sound like somebody that's giving a whole? Man, the preachers are going to be mad at me if I don't put that in there. I don't look to see what you put in anyway. No. It says that these people were begging us, please. Please let us give. Please let us have a party. in that. I know we don't have much. Please. We want to be able to give this to you. Praying <laughs> us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of ministering to that They were doing this so that we could minister to the saints. <laughs> and this they did, not as we hoped, Oh, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. First. First. First God had to have them. That's why that's why the first fruits God having first place, having the heart for God's work and wanting to do, that's all that's all done and passed down. First thing they'd had to do, God had to have them in order them to make it to this point. Wow. And unto us, they gave themselves to God, then they gave themselves to others. Others before ourselves. That's that's the Christ like way. Insomuch that we desire Titus that as he had begun, so would he also finish in you the same grace also. And I want you to see, and we'll have to come back there and I wish we had more time now. You go on and he'll show. Man, this church had a lot of good things going for it. it had a lot of knowledge and a lot of people that loved God, a lot of people that were doing all things, but he said, I want you to abound in this grace. Also, (laughs) I want you to abound in this grace also. Look at what God has done. I can give you story after story after story. We're not talking about, you see, you can't see it. I know you can't see it. If you could see it, it wouldn't be faith promise. First fruits, free will offerings, faith promise. That which is binding, that which is beneficial, that which is beyond. Beyond anything. Let's look at that closer tonight. Let's look at what God can and will do there. You see, I want you to be praying. I, want, I don't want you to do anything that you're not willing to do. I want you to be praying earnestly. God, have I really been giving you first place? Lord, have you had the right place in my heart? Have I been doing all that I could do for the cause of Christ? You see, man, I didn't take time... Read it all. We'll come, we'll come back there tonight. But, but I do need to give you this passage in closing, because it's very, very, very important to grasp and and understand where that uh, where that you are with this. Because it's so, it's so easy for us. It's so easy for us to talk about how much we love God and and all the things that uh, that we want to do. But in First John chapter three. The Bible tells us, and of course, we all know John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In 1 John 3, 16, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, that we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion for him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? How can this treasure be there? How can we say, on the one hand, that we have the love of God in us? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is His commandment that we should believe in the name of His Son, Jesus, and love one another as He gave commandment. Folks, that's the ultimate in it. He just said, don't say, don't say you love me. Don't say that you have that treasure within you. Don't say that the love of Christ is dwelling in you and it not be shown in your action. You see, we'll look at that later, but I want you just to be honest this morning. Honest with yourself, honest with God. As Shelley comes to the piano, I'm not playing some fantasy game with you today we're going to to sing here in just a moment I surrender all and I hope you'll sing it as a prayer from your heart and I hope you'll mean it and if you need to surrender something this morning if God has spoken to you don't be ashamed, be glad and today if God's shown you something in your life then maybe it's going to be easy for you to realize that he said it but once you walk out that door and go out there you're going to be right back to the same old thing as you were last week this morning maybe maybe you need to make a fresh commitment to the Lord don't be worried (laughs) none of us are everywhere that we need to be none of us are all that we need to be maybe you need to come and kneel this morning and just pray and commit that thing to the Lord and say Lord before you before these people, you know, somebody asked me something, do I have to do it in front of all those people? No, you don't. It's something in your heart, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. But I had one preacher tell me this one, and he was just a young guy. He just started preaching, and we were talking about the whole thing of appealing to people to do something. And he said, you know, he said, God, don't tell us that we have to do it before anybody. But he said, you know, when I stood there and made that promise to my wife, he said, I did it before the witness of man and God. And he said, What's more important than the promises I make to God? You see, it's for you more than it is for God. God can hear you wherever you are. But sometimes you need to make that commitment and you need to make it real and you need to make that step. And maybe this morning you'd just like for somebody else to pray with you. We don't need people just to fill the altars for the sake of anybody. But today the altar is open. If you need to pray to God, get it right. If God has spoken to you, do what you need to do. If you've got some heart problems, don't be ashamed of it. There's somebody here today, the great physician, that will help you with that heart problem. Have you been robbing God? Have you not been giving Him the first fruits? You've been saying with your mouth that He's first, but you haven't even shown it with the very simplest of things in your life by giving Him the first fruits of what He's blessed you with health, strength. Have you been giving God out of the willingness of your heart? Not because somebody's... But because you want to. Your heart has made you willing. You want to be involved. Maybe today you need to do that. And we're going to look at later at more in depth. I'm going to tell you something. When you've taken those two steps, there is something I can't even explain to you. It's too big for words. It's beyond anything we can imagine. Because it's, it's beyond your power. It goes right back to where we were that this treasure was in us was that his power might be seen in us. And that's the way you can do it. We'll be looking at See, I hope that you'll be praying about that. Father, you know the hearts of each one here this morning. And Lord, there's, oh, there's so much because of my own heart that I'd love to be able to say and to share. But time has evaded us and we must come to a close here. But you know each heart. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here this morning that, Lord, they don't know Jesus Christ. As the, Lord. the gospel has been hid to them. I hope they can understand that Our main purpose here today, even in focusing upon missions, is that the wonderful message, that that gospel that we read from in Scripture earlier, can fall upon everyone's ears and they can know in their heart. If there's anybody here this morning that hasn't genuinely accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, please work in their hearts right now, Lord. Work in their hearts by the power of your Spirit, that they would humble themselves this day and accept that greatest gift of all. And for each and every one of your children, you know where they are. You know what they need. I just pray that right now that if you've spoken to them, that you'd help them, Lord, not to put it aside, but to respond in whatever way that they need to. In Christ's name we pray, amen.